This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 657. And the quote of the day is, to live a creative life, we must lose our fear of being wrong. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 657, and welcome to the podcast. Hope you're doing well. And I got a great conversation today with Mr. Colin Stranahan, and we talk about everything from him growing up with a father who's a saxophonist to living in Colorado, going to Brooklyn, going back and forth, establishing his own voice, playing with some legends like Herbie Hancock and Dr. Lonnie Smith, and how he managed to do those things and still keep his cool and and not try to uh, em- emulate all of the drummers that came before him that played with these amazing artists. And we get into a lot of that and opening yourself up to the music and letting the music in and letting the music dictate what you play. Lots of great stuff. You may want to grab a notepad and take some notes on this one for sure. I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with Colin Stranahan. Colin, what's happening, man? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Nick. Yeah, of course. Of course. We were uh, <laughs> we were just talking about how we got connected. I, I love when... I, I get I get a lot of emails that people are like, oh, you should have this person on the podcast or you should have mm-hmm. this person on the podcast. And uh, But I randomly got an email from someone named Stephen Buono who just connected us. And he and I had never talked before or anything. And he was like, hey, do you want to get Colin on? And I was like, yeah, that would be amazing. And and here we are. So like the world works in mysterious ways sometimes. Mysterious and, ways, and sometimes, absolutely. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, but I am, uh, I'm glad that he connected us and I'm really happy to have you on the podcast for sure. Oh, happy to be here. Absolutely. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit about you growing up and growing up in Colorado. And I look at it like, and maybe this is, this is me being naive, but. I feel like Colorado really has been put on the map the last, let's say, seven to ten years from a music mm. perspective. It feels like there's a there's a mass influx of musicians who are moving to Colorado, um, and but and I'm always like, oh, I I guess I didn't realize there's a there was a music scene there. Was there a music scene there years ago, or is it just and and now people are just catching up? Is that what's happening? Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think I definitely have noticed, especially during the pandemic, I've spent a lot of time in Colorado, but yeah, there's always been a a really uh, big, extensive um, music scene with a lot of, a lot of musicians that are very internationally known um, that have spent time here and, uh, or have been from here. And so growing up, growing up here i was i was my father's a musician and that's that's kind of the reason i started to play is because he was a saxophone player and played music but yeah denver has always been an incredible you know uh, 
scene and there's been a lot of incredible musicians that that i've gotten to know and and have heard stories about from before i was around and and i i have seen in the last few years that people definitely moving here and and commuting when they go on the road and stuff like that but yeah it's 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 i feel like it's been on the map I, obviously i'm from here so maybe i'm biased but mm. definitely it's a big big music scene and and lots of different genres and people here for sure does it feel like there's a sense of Colorado and maybe, you know, like I put Nashville into that, into mm -hmm. that bucket and, and, uh, you know, maybe some places in like, I don't know, maybe the outskirts of, of New York and things like that, where people feel like the work has to be done in LA or New York or, or in these, in these big cities, but they don't want to live there or they don't want to spend all their time there because they're living on top of each other. It's ridiculously mm. expensive to live there. You yeah. can't, you know, you can't have just a house with a garage where you can practice or, or anything like that. Uh, do you feel like people are, are sort of doing this uh, to, to get a little bit of that free space and just kind of, kind of open up a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I think so. <clears throat> I think that, the nature aspect of things and and sort of having the mountains nearby and um yeah space is a is a great word you know and i think that people <laughs> yeah. seek that and and you know it's it's getting more and more popular but i think that it was it was fairly cheap to live uh you know out in colorado too and and yeah i mean just from my experience of of growing up there and then living in new york for for as long as i have i have gone to appreciate all those things even more and i think we all go through that too mm -hmm. and we maybe leave home and come back but i think that has a big part to do with it you know and and it's it's such a people are so nice and and uh, mellow and <laughs> yeah. chill and and it's a it's a nice transition and it's a nice step away from things and and you know I, yeah. it's interesting i feel a lot of similarities with nashville too i've spent some time there and um mm -hmm. has a very similar similar sort of uh atmosphere than it does to, to denver so yeah, yeah i think that's it's, a big, it's interesting big to me like it's it's interesting being i'm from the east coast live in la now and but going you know coming out here and then going back to the east coast and i'm like yeah. wow, people are so much nicer in in california you know yep. Yeah. Like we, I, I'll never forget. We, we had lived here for a few years uh, and we flew home, we flew into Newark and we go to the cab stand and the woman's like yelling at us and like cursing. <laughs> and my wife looks at me and she's like, welcome to the East coast. Yeah. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> We're back. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And it's like, all of a sudden we both got aggro and we were like, yep. we got to be like pushy and <laughs> get back into that. Mind exactly. Space. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned your, your father being a musician. What instrument yeah. does he play? He plays saxophone. Nice. Um, yeah. And, you know, I just remember being a kid and, and going to his gigs and checking out his music and, and always felt a connection to it. And, um, you know, my family's told me stories about, and there's all, you know, videos of, of me just sort of being super into the music. And so it was very early on that I, I, uh, felt a connection to it and it was it was very natural and it just kind of happened and i was lucky enough to grow mm -hmm. up with somebody who was in the house that played music and i could just we could just play together all the time which was really great yeah and, and uh, great you know was very grateful for that 
How much of it was was playing, just learning by doing versus him taking you under his wing and and, mm. and specifically showing you things? Yeah, very much uh, the, the first, you know, learning by doing just, I mean, there was definitely like, mm-hmm. a, it gave me a lot of recordings to check out and things like that. But there was so much freedom right. within like, it, it wasn't all just jazz. I mean, it ended up being that way. But at first, you know, I, I was into all sorts of rock and, and, the, and the Beatles. I remember when I heard the Beatles, that's when everything kind of changed. I was like, Oh, I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta figure, figure out all these grooves and, and all this stuff. And I have to say that Ringo Starr is definitely one of my favorite drummers. And, and I, I think that a lot of people may disagree with that or, or think that, um, I don't know what people think, but the Beatles just <laughs> had such a strong identity and, and it's just so incredible to, to listen to the tra- trajectory of the uh, of their of their timeline you know the, the earlier stuff into sergeant peppers and revolver just how all the sound changed and how they discovered so many things about recording and and no matter how how much mm-hmm. things were changing in that sense that their voices were always kind of there and they kept the same identity and that was just so fascinating to me and i was so drawn to it and just had to keep learning more and more about what they were doing. So that was, yeah. I don't feel like that gets talked about enough. The fact that they, every record, I mean, not only did every record sound different, but songs within the records. Like if you listen to like, let's give an example of a, a bit like red hot chili peppers, right? Right. Like red hot chili peppers always sound the same, right? Mm-hmm. Like whether, and I love the chili peppers, so I'm not that it's not like a knock on them. But right. they sound like the Chili Peppers. But the Beatles sound like the Beatles, but like from song to song, it can it can be a totally different vibe. From record to record, it's totally different. And that's not and and there's there's some Beatles songs that I'm like, mm, I don't really like this song, right? Right. Because it just doesn't sound not that it doesn't sound like them, but I just don't I don't like it, right? But like I love the Beatles and they have such a swath of of different stuff that they played in different styles and and different vibes and it's just it's amazing to me when you look at their breath at work absolutely to me too the same it's just uh, yeah all of that you know and and you know you listen to other bands (laughs) around that time like the rolling stones and it's so true they went through all of those different transitions and um yeah Mm -hmm. i just always go back to them too i'm always Anytime I'm feeling kind of like, you know, bummed out or whatever, I just put on one of their records and it's just like, oh yeah, that's what's possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the, uh, I'm guessing you've seen the documentary, the Get Back documentary? Absolutely. Yeah. I I, fit, I watched it, a, yeah. I, I guess it was a couple months ago when COVID got intense again and I was kind of mm. chilling. Yeah, it was amazing. I thought it was amazing. It was really fascinating to see all that footage and and to, to really be inside it did you check it out too did you get a chance to see it dude i haven't i haven't watched it oh, okay. and okay i everyone i like i know i need you know what i did watch i watched um i watched 321 mccartney yeah that one, was incredible. 321 mccartney i don't know have you the one with that rick, blew my rick, mind me too uh yeah rick rubin yeah 
And and just the way they did it, where it was just like black and white, just Paul and and Rick at a board or Paul at a piano. It, like it was it was filmed really well, but just having him walk through those tunes, and all I wanted to do was just put on a record. Or, you know, they would talk about a song, and I'm like, yes. oh man, I got to go listen to that song now. Because, Absolutely. So that was great. I haven't checked out Get Back yet, though. Yeah, very different concept, but it's uh, yeah, it was amazing to hear McCarty talk about those just give you the backstory on all those tunes you know it's just it, it just kind of brought you closer yeah. to the to the to the music and and yeah so i highly recommend the the other one too very different but oh i'm de- i'm definitely going to watch it i i did nice. see the one piece where they i i forget what tune it was but they like wrote it it they were they it was, there was a clip that was floating around on social media where like within three minutes they had written maybe it was get back it's get back but, but yeah. they had like written the song is it yeah okay yeah 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 and that and just that I was like okay this is insane yeah it's <laughs> it's really powerful so I'll, de- I'll I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely check it out um so with with you growing up and <clears throat> you're listening to you're listening to jazz your dad's telling you to check out records you start to get into the beatles how would your dad influential in terms of like what to listen to outside of that stuff or was he like you know what go out and explore your own stuff and mm. and you don't have to listen to just the stuff that i listen to you don't have to go down the road that right. i went down like you go go on your own journey and figure it all out yeah it was it was very much like Hey, here's a here's a few records to get you started. I really felt like that's what he was saying, and and it was it was kind of a broad, uh, you know, John Coltrane, Miles Davis, um, and then some more modern stuff. You know, as we were saying, the scene in Denver. I was I was able to sort of like go out and start hearing some music, and and started to sort of study with some people that sort of brought me into some other ideas but it was very much like here's a starting point and then whatever happens after that is is on you and i I, of course i didn't really realize that at the time but it was i'm i'm it really opened me up to so many different things and it it didn't take very much to get me you know super drawn into playing jazz you know it was this kind of blue miles davis was the the first record i listened to and it just you know that that was it for me. Just hearing Jimmy Cobb play quarter notes on a ride cymbal, you know, throughout the whole record and making it feel good. It was like, mm-hmm. that was also super intriguing to me. It was like, oh, you can, you can be super simple and be effective, you know, while playing this instrument, you know, uh, let me see if I can, I can sort of mm-hmm. play along with that and try to make it feel that way. And, and so, yeah, it was, it was very much, but anytime I had questions or it was like, Hey, is there something else, you know, to listen to it was like oh yeah maybe check this out too so it was definitely you know it mm-hmm. wasn't like you must listen to this stuff it was like hey if this is here if you want to check it out so yeah i love how kind of blue is like the the <laughs> it's it's like jazz 101 right yeah. where it's like it's such an amazing record but they masterfully made it to where it's like this easily digestible record Absolutely. and any you, you know i'm you're you're the same way i'm I'm guessing where it's like i want to start playing jazz or i want to listen to jazz and you're like kind of blue like mm-hmm. that's jazz 101 take it listen to it a thousand times and just start there 
<laughs> it's Absolutely. Like, it's true. It's it's so amazing. Yeah. It's, it's timeless. It's timeless, you know. It is timeless. Yeah. It is timeless. And and I think it's I think it's uh and I, I want to make sure that I'm being clear about this. I'm not saying like it's a dumbed down jazz record. That's no. not what I'm saying. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just an amazing record. That's not that. I mean, it's like a. It's almost like a. It's like a pop record, almost right. Mm-hmm. Like where it, you can just you can listen to it and it just feels good. And and I feel like even if you don't listen to jazz, you can you can understand it understand, and, and you can yeah. sort of quote unquote follow along. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I agree. I hope I just and, didn't piss a bunch of people off. <laughs> <laughs> no, who cares? But it, I, I don't. I feel the same way. And it's every time I listen to it, I hear something new and and discover something I didn't necessarily hear before. And, and I love it. It's just timeless. And it's mm-hmm. yeah, well, it's such a great record. <laughs> it is. It is a great record. Uh, so and. When you when were you thinking like when you were growing up that was so was your dad a professional musician or or I mean is that what he did full time Yeah yeah he he he's a teacher he was a teacher yeah. um he taught high school and middle school um band gotcha. so he was doing you know not just the jazz programs but the classical music too and um but yeah playing playing mm-hmm. gigs as well you know out out and about so he was definitely out there yeah Right. Were you thinking that was the path that you were going to go down, whether it be teaching or, or at least playing professionally? Yeah, it was, it, it was always playing. Um, and it wasn't at that time. I wasn't, it, it's not like I said to myself, like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this. And it just was such a, a natural thing for me. Music was just, it just became my life. It became what I focused on everything, you know, all my time was in into music, but you know, I was a little distracted by sports because I was a pretty good football player and uh, had had pursued that nice. pretty pretty seriously and was a pretty good linebacker. And um, there was definitely a, a moment where I had to make a decision between you know playing football or pursuing music, and it was it was pretty uh, it was a no brainer for me. I knew it was going to be music. You know, I just wasn't into the to the football aspect of hitting hitting people all the time i wanted to i don't want to hurt people i want to help people you know so that's that's kind of (laughs) what was going through my mind but you know it it just was it was my life and so when it came time to make those kind of decisions there's just there was no question about it i i was already in it at that point and and had been, you know, mm-hmm. day, daydreaming about creating music and traveling and doing all these things. So, yeah, it felt pretty, pretty clear at that point. Mm-hmm. It's hard, especially when you're when you're in high school or, you know, you're younger and you're like, man, I got to I have to like, what if I pick the wrong thing here? How do I know right. which which one I which one I should pick? And I had a I, similar thing. I played baseball and music and I was like, mm. I remember going to my brother and I was like, am I a better baseball player or a better drummer? And he was like, drummer by far. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, well, then there it is. I was like, yeah. all right, you made up, you made up my mind. So um, <clears throat> not that I think that I, 
I don't know. I just I loved baseball, so uh, yeah. I was like, maybe I could do this, and no, couldn't have. I don't think I would have made it. But um, but what advice do you have for people who are who? Let me ask you this a different way. Mm. Do you think that people have to choose between one or another, or do you think that you can you can pursue things in in parallel course? Because I think that we yeah. uh, as humans have this this sort of uh, this internal struggle where we want to pursue more than one thing. And I'd love to hear your, your perspective on that. Yeah. That's a, that's a great thought. Great question. And something I've thought about a lot. And, and especially as I have gone through life and, and gotten older and experienced more, the more I, I think about this topic. So it's great. And I think that, you know, if, if, if you're someone who, has a lot of uh, ability and, and a lot of interests in, in different things. Um, you know, you just really have to, to sit down and, and say to yourself, like, you know, make goals and create goals and sort of uh, see, see where you want your time to go into more of. And, and for me, it's, it's funny how I've, I've started to, sort of come back to sports you know i'm a big basketball fan you know i've i've just recently you know through the pandemic have gotten back mm -hmm. into basketball and it's amazing how many connections i find in basketball and in music you know and i never never felt that way before because once i had decided to play music i'd sort of like i was like oh well forget sports I, there's nothing i have no interest in that and i'm not going to spend any time doing that but i feel like i i sort of missed out on on in many years of this this comparison that I've discovered, so I I think my advice to people that you know have multiple interests like that are is to just find a way to to be able to to kind of keep everything in your life and and do all of those things, but you know really sort of follow your heart and and what uh what's really grabbing you or what what you really are drawn to. Um, you know, because mm -hmm. I've, I've had many students before, you know, where they've had parents that are, you know, afraid of them becoming musicians. There's that. And then there's there's some really young <laughs> kids that are really talented in music and then really talented in something else. And, and you know, I always just say, keep doing all of those things if you can, you know, just just really focus on, on what's, right. what's in your art and, and go for it and, and don't don't settle, mm -hmm. you know, just keep, keep growing. So it's more specifically, you know, I guess it depends on the situation, but I, I think that the more you can keep all of your avenues open, the, the more enriched you'll become. And the, you know, the more that I've been able to open up and, mm -hmm. and follow the different interests in my life, the more it enriches the musical part of my life. So just that balance, I guess, is, is yeah. the whole thing, you know, being able to balance all of those things together. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before, and admittedly that there were some times where I wanted to do something or focus my time somewhere and felt like the music gods were going to you know, strike right. down on me for, for right. not, uh, for not doing just, just staying myopic and just saying, okay, this is the only thing that I can focus on. Exactly. Um, and, and I think, I think that's hard. I don't know where we get that from, where 
we as drummers think that we just have to play the drums 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We can't have anything else in our lives and, and that's it. But that's not reality right. at all. No. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't, uh, it, it's not, it's, I don't think it's healthy. I think it, I think it stifles your, your creativity. And uh, to your point, I think that if you like something, then you shouldn't feel guilty about going out and, and doing that or, and, and making it intersect with your, your life and right. you can have music and sports to your point and, and underwater basket weaving or whatever else you're into. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that, uh, yeah. So when you, go ahead. No, it's, I'm disagreeing thinking about it. <laughs> um, when you have, uh, like you're saying you have sports, is it with the way that it's intersecting in your life? Is it, is it more of you going out and playing basketball or is it watching more basketball and not feeling mm. guilty about it? Or is it a combination of the two? Because I think that's important of like, of, of how these things really integrate into our lives. Mm. Yeah. I, for me, it was definitely watching and getting back into it. And, um, you know, Brooklyn Nets are, are my, my team and living in Brooklyn for so long. And, um, so much to the point now where I have started to go out and play a bit more myself, you know, and, you know, I used to play a little bit when I was younger, but, um, there is something about mm -hmm. practicing, you know, shooting the ball and, and working on your shot that, that really reminds me of practicing the drums, you know, repetition and, and all of these things. And so even, even watching the game, you know, as I've spent more time watching the game of basketball and seeing the strategies and, these plays that are, you know, being planned out and the way, you know, these guys are executing certain things and finding their shots. And it just very much just feels familiar in that way. And I think that's a, it's, that's for two reasons. I think it's one, cause I kind of grew up playing a little bit of basketball and sort of understanding it and then going back to it later mm -hmm. and going, Oh yeah, I've done a little bit of this before. And then the other side of it is just the, the strategy and, and practicing and shedding is the same, you know, you, it, just what I said, like repetition, mm -hmm. doing the same things over and over again. And it just, so when I'm out like shooting the basketball, it, it does something for me. It sort of calms me in that way. And it sort of, sort of centers me a little bit. It's, and I think it's cause it's the same as, as playing the drums, practicing the drums, getting, you know, getting some practice time in. So I think that's, that's why it's, I've come come back to it, yeah. But it's definitely been the mm -hmm. more watching it, you know. And the more that I've done that, mm -hmm. um, yeah. The, these more of these comparisons I'm making, and and it's funny. It's like exactly what you just said. That like guilt thing. It's like, well, why did I, why did I get so far away from it, or why did I feel like I needed to do that in my life, you know? But I guess that's that's how it goes. Mm -hmm we go through things and discover them and learn. And I guess that's what I've been doing. <laughs> so, Yeah. Well, as they say, uh, you know, youth, youth is wasted on the young, right? So we're sort of <laughs> like, I wish I, and I wish I had this wisdom when I was younger to say, look, right. it's okay to, to <laughs> do these other things or to, to let them integrate into your life instead of feeling like, feeling like we're we're not allowed to, to or, or anything like that do you think that yeah would you ever um would you ever want to work in in basketball it's funny i've also thought about that too 
Um, and it, yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's almost like I've started to do the same things I've done in music, you know, for me with music growing up and still with recordings, jazz recordings. And I always used to know all the personnel on all different records. I used to know where they recorded the record, you know, all the tunes. And so it's starting to be that way with basketball. I kind of know everybody on the team, what, but they play where they, where they played before they were on that team. And it's funny, but no, I don't think I could ever work in basketball. I don't think I could ever do it as a job. Um, no, <laughs> but I've definitely thought about that lately. It's like, wow, if I did do that, what, what would I do? And it certainly wouldn't be playing or coaching. Um, but yeah, no, I just appreciating it as a fan. I that, think it's as far as it goes for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I've thought about like, how can I get into major league baseball? You know, right. Like, yeah. how can I figure this out? You know, it's like, it's so, inter- it's funny though, because you think it's almost like that little kid in you when you're thinking, Oh my God, can you imagine if I played drums for a living, how amazing that would be. And then you get to do it. And then you're <laughs> like, but can you imagine if I got to play basketball or work in basketball for a living? Like that mm-hmm. would be, that would right. be the amazing thing. And you're like, well, you've already done one of them, you know? Yeah. So it's like, that's true. Maybe, yeah. you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe you can do the other. <laughs> <laughs> Well, give me give me a call when you're the uh, when you're the GM of the uh, of the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, the Nets, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe a manager would be it. the way to do it. <laughs> maybe that that's the move. Yeah, yeah, I yeah I definitely have already ruled out that like there's probably not a chance of me being a a uh, like an on the field coach. <laughs> that ship has sailed for sure. <laughs> But I don't know. Maybe I can work in the front office or something. <laughs> I'm I'm still I'm still young, Colin. So there's there's yeah, we are. We're still um, young. So yeah, we got we got plenty of time. Second career. Um, one you had mentioned you had mentioned something that's interesting. Um, when you were talking about being in Colorado or being in, in Tennessee or something, and the idea of space. And right when you said that, I was like, all right, let me put a thumbtack in that because when I watch you play, that's mm. the first word that comes to mind is oh, space. Wow. And I, and, and you have this, you have this ability to like, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you're playing a ton of notes or not playing a ton of notes, but you have this ability to let the air breathe or let the music breathe. Mm. And I thought that that I've, I've always, I've always thought that was, that was great in your playing how do you how do you work on those things? How and I know that that you talk a lot about you know finding your voice, um, uh, serving the music, and and then to me I'm thinking okay and providing space for the music. Mm-hmm. All of those things are all intangibles to me. You can't look at a book and read it and say oh this is how you play with space. This is how right. you play with musicality or or something like that. What's been your and I know this is a very loaded question, but what's your <laughs> approach been? for for really developing developing your sound developing your style and like a, and having the maturity of letting the air or let i keep saying the air letting the music breathe mm. like it does well first of all thank you I, 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 that's a huge compliment for me and uh something i strive for so i really appreciate uh i really appreciate that and i think that it comes from there there's one phrase that that I always sort of 
remind myself and, and think about while I'm playing. And it's, it's, you know, I, I try to let the music come to me and, and in doing mm -hmm. that, I think it, there's, there's a lot of different things that I do is eliminating any distractions or, or anything that can come in negatively, you know, um, into my space while I'm playing. And, um, I really focus on breathing a lot while I play and, um, starting from, from nothing, you know, that's something I, I, I had a really incredible opportunity to spend some time with, um, Brian Blade, who's one of my favorite musicians and drummers, band leaders, Monster. people, you know, and, um, we really had a lot of different conversations. We didn't really talk a lot about anything drum specific, you know, like any, like about technique or rudiments or anything that mm -hmm. it was really just about, you know, starting from nothing, you know, when, when you start to play and, you know, going on the road every night and playing, it's, it's interesting because I, I have toured with a lot of different musicians that do this differently, but I know a lot of people that, that were super into like recording themselves playing and going back and listening every night or the next day, you know, all the way up until the next gig, they would be listening to the music. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's, it's very much like a, a sacred space when I'm on the stage playing. It's like, that's, that's a world that I go into. And as soon as the music's done, that's, it's, I get away from it, you know? So, you know, during the day, if I'm mm -hmm. on the road, like I'll, I'll do some other stuff. Like I'll, I'll watch the office or something, or I'll, I'll read something or I'll, I'll just get into some basketball stuff, but I try to sort of, you know, you know, there'll be a some times when maybe I'm thinking about the music or, th or thinking about things, but I really try to come at it from, from a fresh perspective every, every time I sit down and play. And, mm -hmm. um, and it's something I've really developed is, is patience and sort of letting the music come to me because I feel like before when I would try those things, like listening to, to the gig from the night before, things like that, I would try to recreate a moment or, a, or a space or, or whatever. I was just holding on to something, mm. but I, I, the more that I've done it, the more that I realized that if I can come at it from just a completely different and new perspective with no expectations, that's a big thing for me. Um, no expectations and no pre preconceived ideas of what I want to do. Um, and just really focus on, on staying relaxed and calm, you know, whether that's having, you know, a beer before the gig or some good food or, you know, not caffeine for me. Cause that would, mm -hmm. that would get in the way, but, um, you know, just <laughs> really focusing on Colin, why are you playing so fast? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I had to, I had to get rid of that. It's been almost, it's been almost a yeah. year now without coffee, which was, was the hardest thing I've, I've had to let go, but I've wow. really, really, uh, it really helped out, especially, um, yeah, tempos and stuff like that. Um, for me, uh, really playing so nervous. Yeah. It's interesting. Huh. Um, especially when you're on the road and you're not really sleeping, you know, and, and you're, you're having to get up and, Mm -hmm. travel all day and i i kind of was depending on coffee a bit too much and so um you know just being as relaxed as possible mentally and physically you know before i play and, and as i'm playing it's something i i really can attribute it to 
to feeling that space and not feeling like I have to hop on every idea I hear when improvising or, you know, letting, just letting it come to me, you know, knowing and trusting that, that I've, I've done the work and the musicians I'm playing with, we've all done the work of practicing for years and, and experiencing so much that in that moment that, you know, trusting that the ideas will come and something will come to me. And, and if I kind of remain open Mm -hmm. in my heart and mind that, that it'll come. And so I, through, through all those experiences, I've, I've really learned a lot about, you know, um, less is more is a big one for me too. And just sort of starting from the most simple place, you know, and I think that's where that comes from, you know, that space that I I'm striving to have in my playing and in the music. Yeah. The Evan snare tune up kit provides everything you need to maintain the most essential piece of your drum set. This recently launched kit comes with either UV-1 or Caftone heads as the centerpiece, along with an Evans-branded microfiber cloth, a drum key, lug lube, hardware polish, Barney's Beats-branded Promark Rebound 5A drumsticks, a snare-side 300 drum head, and a two-pack sampler of the new Evans EQ pods. It's everything you need by the drum. The UV kit is ideal for rock, metal, and funk, providing sonic versatility and long-lasting durability while the Caftone kit is ideal for jazz, providing a classic, warm, full, rich tone. Evans Drumheads, the most technologically advanced drumheads on earth. It's time to design your dream kit. You have a sound and look in your mind's eye, and it's time to make that dream a reality. Your sound emerges from the choicest materials and is constructed using the exclusive Sonar Optimum shell measurement construction, utilizing slightly undersized shell diameters, allowing the drum head the space to float freely with unrestricted bearing edge contact. Your look emerges through the ultimate selection of veneers, hand-polished lacquers, and premium coverings to create the stunning look of your dreams. Design yours today at sq2-drumsystem.com. When you talk about the music coming to you, mm-hmm. it it sounds it sounds like it's it's a passive thing, but it's not a passive thing, right? Mm, I'm right. guessing you're you're actively listening. Yeah, um, oh, you're, sure. you're letting you're letting the music come in, and then are you are you always in reaction mode, or are you reacting? And then you're saying, you know what? Now I got to add my thing into this, mm-hmm. and let me let me push this conversation this way, or let me push the conversation That's this exactly way. It. I hear you. Yeah. Let me say this. Let me push this. That's exactly it. Yeah, it's it's exactly that, and and not saying at any time I have to put my thing here. It's always what can we do here? Mm-hmm. You know, like like for me, another big big part of it too is is something i realize is you know music it's not about me it's not about me individually it's always a, a collective effort regardless of how big the band is whether it's a trio or a duo or um you know moving through it together and never feeling like i have to to hop in and say like at least this is the thought process of how this happens of course there there are moments when things do come to me and it's like okay here's 
there's a space to go for it and I, I go for it, but it's, it's always just sort of, you know, thinking in, in terms of the band, you know, and of course there's a solo here and there, but mm-hmm. never feeling like I have to force anything. And that, that's really taken a lot of time to, to figure out, but I feel like I'm starting to understand that more and more. It's like, it just, it'll come to you. If you're listening exactly like you said, if you're listening engaged and you know the material of what you're playing, you know the music, the tunes that you're doing, it allows you to sort of get to that next next place in the music, which is, you know, you're, you're able to sort of understand and have these um, moments come to you. And, and it's like, the music always tells you what to play, you know, especially if you let it come to you, like, Mm-hmm. In that moment, there's there's no question or there's no doubt. It's like it's it's almost like it's subconscious. It just happens and it's moving and it's it's this forward motion is being created. But it's like there's not there's not a lot of like um, efforts. The wrong word because of course there's effort when we're playing. But it's like it just mm-hmm. it's just this stream of consciousness. It just moves and it goes. And I feel like in order for that to happen, that, that focus level has to be, you know, extremely high, but, but that patience I think has to be there too. And, and I think that, um, if that's there, that possibilities are really endless and it's crazy. Sometimes I remember I've heard Will, Will Ferrell, uh, in a few interviews talk about, or maybe, sorry, not Will Ferrell, Jim Carrey. It was Jim Carrey talking about when he was, doing those movies like Ace Ventura and, and the mask, like is he calls it a fugue state where he'll improvise all this crazy stuff. And then it, they'll say cut and he'll, it's almost like he didn't realize what just happened, but it, it's such his own right, right, voice. Right, right. And he's such a singular like universe, Jim Carrey. I mean, that's incredible, but it's interesting that fugue state thing. I've experienced mm-hmm. that with music where it's like, all this craziness happens or you just feel so connected and, and it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I understand that sort of few state where you don't realize what happened until afterward. Um, I feel like I've experienced that a few mm-hmm. times in music and it's been awesome <laughs> when it happens. Yeah. And you feel, and it feels like you can't play a wrong note. It feels like everything is effortless and it's just coming out. It's just, it's sort of coming out of you and you don't yeah. necessarily know what you're playing. And and sometimes you'll get the thing where you'll play something and you're like, I don't even know what that, I've never yeah. even played that thing before. I don't yeah. even know what that, what, what that <laughs> thing just was, but it just fit, it just fit into the music uh, perfectly. Yeah. You, you did. You mentioned something that I want to make sure that we that we uh, go back to, where you were saying the music will always tell you what to play, and I think that is such a valuable piece mm. of information that the minute and and I am just as guilty at this as everyone else. But but instead of thinking I want to play this thing, or I want to like I want to yes. get this get this thing out sitting back clearing your mind and just and and sort of you know opening the lane and just let the music come in and then just letting that dictate what you play like that once you get there that's it right like that's nirvana I think so. right I think and, so. and the more you can do that in a gig then the better obviously yeah. Yeah. um do you think that that's ego 
Do you think that that's what gets in the way? Is it overthinking? Is it ego? Is it a combination of the two? I think so. I think it's ego. I think it's, I think it's insecurity for me. I'm speaking in terms of just my experiences, um, insecurity mm-hmm. in the sense of like, am I doing enough or am I, you know, especially when I was younger and didn't have that much experience in playing in a lot of different groups at the same time, you know, like playing a few gigs with this band and then jumping over here and playing with this band the next week. And, you know, it's just like, not, not a selfish thing. Like, Oh, are, are people recognizing me or are they hearing me? Or it's, it's not that it's, it's, you know, am I bringing something to this, you know? And, and I mm-hmm. feel like before I, I used to try to carry so much weight with me, like, Oh, try to remember what happened that time on that experience and, or this time and try to bring that into this or playing with somebody that I really admire and know their music really well and know it from another drummer playing. It's like, Oh, well I should, I should try to really focus in on what that drummer did and, and try to recreate that. It's like, no, mm-hmm. I don't have to do any of that. You know, I'm here because the, the band leader hired me and they want me to bring what I bring, of course, play the music and know the material, but do what I do. And it's like, well, how can I get to what I do? Yeah. Just listen and be, and just let it come to you. Play, play the music and, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, play it well on, on the best level and the highest level I can, but also leave that space for all that other stuff to happen and trust that it will happen you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You talked, you talked about it earlier about recreating experiences when you were going back and, and, you know, listen to a recording from the night before. And I remember Steve Gadd talking about in an interview mm-hmm. where he was saying, you know, most of the time when he's in the studio, the first take is the best one because right. after the first take you go and you, then you're listening and then you're, then you're overthinking and you're trying this thing. And now not only are you doing that, but the bass player's doing that and the guitar player's doing that. So now everyone is overthinking and they're yeah. forcing these things. And, and I, and I think it's important to like, if you're, if you're listening to a gig from the night before and, and you're looking to, improve on some things or if you're like yeah there were some things that like didn't feel right right, and you want to go back and listen to them um but to your point i think that over analyzing these things and keeping that nugget in your head so that tomorrow you're like oh i remember that fill i did on the third bar of this group i'm gonna do it again here (laughs) yep that's a bad idea (laughs) anytime i've tried to do that it's been unsuccessful or something bad has happened or (laughs) never works right (laughs) it's always that and so it's it's so it's so great (laughs) to experience and and approach music in that in that way of just being completely empty and starting from something new you know it's like oh okay so Mm -hmm. you're you know you know what's coming within the music but if if i don't have any set things on my mind or anything it's like it just allows you and that's something that that people have said to me before is like wow i've heard you play this music a few times and every time i've heard you play it it's different and it's like that's the best compliment i can i can have it's like oh thank you it's like you're you're just constantly staying you're constantly improvising that's really improvising i feel like that's really what improvisation is mm-hmm. you know is is you know, that's, that's the greatest feeling for me in the world is going on the road, playing with the same band every night, the same material, but really just letting, letting every night be different, you know, or allowing every night to be different, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I it's sort of like the idea of going hanging out with four guys every night and would you want to sit around the table and have the same conversation every single night? Right. Exactly. You know, it's like, hey, no. we talked about this thing last night. Let's talk about it again tonight. It's like we already talked about that. Let's talk yeah. about something else. Yeah. You know, it's like it's not uh it's not entertaining to just say the shit same shit over and over and over again. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Maybe that's a bad analogy, but No, um, I think that's that's so yeah. I <laughs> Uh, I, I, I looked, I looked at some of the people that you played with and when, when you're playing with someone like Lonnie Smith or Mm -hmm. Herbie Hancock, who has, who, I mean, one of the things that, that Lonnie Smith did for me was opened me up to all of these other great drummers. I got really into Lonnie Smith and then learned about all these great drummers through Lonnie Smith, which is an interesting thing where, because he always had, you know, he always had these great drummers like before I listened to Lonnie Smith, I didn't know who Idris Muhammad was. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and he, I mean, he, he just got me into a ton of drummers. Um, and so looking at the, the level of people that he's played with or Herbie Hancock or something like that, when you go to work with someone like that, is it intimidating? And are you trying to, whether consciously or subconsciously, are you like, try it? Like, are you? Do you start to like channel those other drummers, even though you don't want to? Are you still like, oh, maybe I should do this, like this Idris thing, or maybe I should do mm. this Picaro thing, or not Picaro? Maybe I should do this, uh, you know, this Cauda thing, or or something. Right. There's definitely, yeah. I mean, that's that's a big part of of those experiences that I've had, and um, there was a really big epiphany I had with with Herbie Hancock, um, and it it was before the first time he played, but I was auditioning for the Thelonious Monk Institute of Jazz when I, uh, I ended up doing that program. But when I, when I first went to the audition, you know, they invite a bunch of different musicians to play, um, with, a and you kind of like mix and match with different, different groups. And you kind of go in there and you play different tunes. And Mm -hmm. I remember when I walked in the room sitting at a table, it was like, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, Ron Carter, uh, Thelonious Monk Jr., like all these people, Terrence Blanchard that I grew up listening to. No, and, no pressure. Yeah, and we were playing some of those Miles yeah. tunes, and and I had this really deep thought. It was like, in that moment, I said to myself, like, well, like I automatically was like, oh, well, Tony Williams, like, oh yeah, I, this his his name came up in my mind. It's like, yeah, well, they played with Tony, like. But I was like, no, wait a minute. They they don't want to hear me sound like Tony. They want to hear me play like I play. And that was a really profound experience because the, you know, we talk mm-hmm. about finding your own voice and things like that. That is your own voice when you can, of course, like Tony Williams is always going to be a part of my playing. He's one of my biggest influences and one of my favorite drummers. But in that moment, it was like, it was very much about honesty. It was like, how, how can I be as honest as I can playing in this, in this context? You know, how can I be as true to myself as I can? And I just kind of kept saying that to myself, you know, as I was playing, I was, of course, I was completely freaked out. I mean, playing in front of those guys and they're all sitting at a table, just staring at you. And it was like, Oh man. And you know, those were two very different experiences. I mean, how do you not just like, (laughs) I, I, I don't like, how do you, 
seriously, like, how do you not yeah. just freak out? There was, there's not a shot in hell that, I mean, I would, I would freak out at like juries during college when it was like my two professors who I knew right. really well. Yeah. Exactly. Right. How do you not like, how do you not, for lack of a better words, like, how do you not shit your pants when you're sitting there? Yeah. Like, That's Wayne Shorter, Herbie totally. Hancock, Ron Carter. And it was, I, I, as you said, anytime I've, I've done something before, I've been totally nervous and freaked out and, and, and had those thoughts of like, how am I going to even make sense of this? And, but it was, it was interesting. I don't know what it was or what, what got me to that thinking about just being myself and, and doing that. But in that moment, I felt very calm and, and very confident and, and just doing my thing or just focusing on, on playing very simple and, and just trying to make everything feel good. And, and it, obviously mm-hmm. it, it spoke to them because I got into the program, but I, I, right. I just walked away from that experience going like, Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who you're playing for, or who you're playing with. If you can, if you can find that space that where you feel relaxed and <laughs> even in those contexts, you know, it's like, if I can get to that place every yeah. time, I think I'll be successful or I think I'll at least play the way I play and, and stay true to that. And, and, you know, playing with doc with mm-hmm. Lonnie Smith, it was a completely different experience where I did start from that very simple place, but he wanted me to dig in even more and groove harder. And, and big thing with, with doc was like eye contact, you know, cause I, I, a lot of times I play with my eyes closed or I sort of, I'm looking away or whatever. And mm-hmm. he kept saying like, Hey, you know, Hey, look at me, look at me, you know? And it's like, I kept going like, okay, I, all right, <laughs> fine. But as soon as I did that, the music just went boop and it like, just elevated. And it was just like, that's the way he did it. And so we just kind of, I just kept watching his hands and every oh, time wow. we'd look over and then all of a sudden the music was just like this. And so I guess the lesson in that was just to, to listen to him and be engaged with him. And, um, two very different mm-hmm. experiences and, and and herbie you know he doesn't really say much you know he, it's all the music he just communicates through the music and and also eye contact was a big thing with him too i, I realized um but yeah i mean those guys are my heroes and 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 uh, i i respect them so much and and admire them and so there's there is that 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 feeling and oh am i am i gonna be enough or am i do they like the way i play or is this gonna be is this gonna be disaster or not or like uh, uh, you know just like constantly right. i just had to i think through that experience in that audition i found a way to sort of turn off that voice in my head you know for the time being and and sort of just yeah. let you know, you just sort of surrender to the music. It's like, well, whatever is it, as long as I'm in the moment and I'm, I'm putting as much effort as I can into this and, 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 and having fun and enjoying it and, and not forgetting the joy of just playing music, you know, because in those moments of juries or things mm-hmm. like that we're talking about, like, I, I always, there are times where I forget about that. It's like, well, this is, this is the greatest thing ever to play music and it's, it's incredibly fun and it's incredibly, you know, I just love this. So this is where I am and this is Mm -hmm. where I want to be. So why not enjoy it regardless of who's sitting there and who's listening? Cause you never know who's listening. You never know who's, who's behind you. You know why, you know, like there've been many nights where I turn around Mm -hmm. and it's 
there's Questlove in this small little club in New York, just, just watching me play or, you know, Steve Gadd or all these guys. It's like Roy Haynes. I once I opened for Roy Haynes and I had no idea that he was watching me play. And I turned around and there he is just like, oh man. But, wow. But it's just focusing even more in those moments. And I don't know, just, yeah, you just leave it all out there. Like they say, you know, just leave it all on the mm-hmm. stage. You know, I try to do that. You just leave it all out there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading an article with John Fishman from Fish and he was saying, you know, the greatest part about music is that you can just, you can take all these chances and you can fall flat on your face and no one's going to get hurt. You know, yes. no one's, no one, it's not ruining anyone's life or, or, or anything. You can blow a change and, and you know, the, the, your drum set can fall over and everything. Right. And it's like, everything will be fine tomorrow. Yep. It's not, you know, it's like the, it's once you, once you get to that point, it's so freeing that you're like, it's not. It's the music is really important, uh, but it's sort of like inconsequential if you if you don't land the thing that you're trying to land or or uh, yeah you know you don't you don't um you know hit the thing that you want to hit. Going going back to that that audition that you had, I have to think that there is subconsciously some sense of of calm in the idea of thinking I belong here. I'm here mm. for a reason. There's not. You know, I'm not just walking in off the street and and uh, I'm going up against everyone and and I don't I don't belong here. It's like I'm I'm here for a reason. Yeah. And you know, I I got to imagine that adds a little bit of whether consciously or subconsciously some sense of calm of saying, okay, I'm in I'm 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 in this room because I deserve to be in this room. Yeah, I think so. And it is a little bit of an ego thing, but I think it's a healthy ego thing. You know, you're not. It's not like you're saying to yourself, I'm the greatest musician in the world. I'm the greatest musician in the world. I'm the gra-. It's like, no, it's not that. It's, it's, uh, I'm here and I have something to say and I do this. And, and, and there was a part of me that was, you know, even like, if they don't like it, whatever, that's fine. You know, if they, if, if they're mm-hmm. not into it, that's cool. As long as I, I just play the way I play and not just play a bunch of, you know, try to, play a bunch of tony williams licks or whatever it was like no i'm just gonna play the way i play and yeah. you know if it doesn't work out i'll go back to new york and that's that but if, if it works out wow that'd be awesome and, you know so yep. yeah i try yeah. to I and try it's to not remember like that if if hmm. yeah and, and, and it's not like if you went in there and and totally fell flat on your face and it was horrible. Like, that's it. All right, Colin, you're never allowed to work again. Yep. No, it's over. You can't get any more gigs. <laughs> like, it's not like, it's, it's not like they're, uh, it's not like that's it for you. I mean, luckily it worked out, but, but it's no, interesting it's to keep in mind, like we, th- we put, we put so much stock into, into these things. Like if you don't get the gig or whatever, it's like, who cares? I got, there's plenty of gigs that, that I didn't get, or I was literally, I was just talking to my wife today about how, about getting fired that I got fired from this gig a couple years ago. And, uh, and I was just like, well, it, it sucked that I got fired and it, it paid a lot of money and, and yeah. all that. And, uh, and it just, I wasn't the right guy for the gig, mm. you know? Yeah. Like that's what happens that happens and it's yeah shit happens yeah exactly it's happened plenty of times yep. for me too where it's like oh okay well on to the next thing <laughs> yeah, we've all yeah yeah get get i i always say i'm like get your get fired get that out of the way early because yeah. it's gonna happen <laughs> and at some point so so like 
it, unfortunately it happened for me a little bit later and it was like a shot to the ego mm. you know, because i was like what mm. the you know i was like how did this happen yeah but uh yeah get it out of the way early <laughs> so speaking of gigs uh talk to me about some some projects that you're working on now or or that you're excited about and, and what you have on tap for the next couple months yeah um well i there's a new this band that i've been playing with it's called kind folk it's with uh john raymond trauma player from a band i played in previously called real fields and um a few years ago it's a quartet with uh trumpet sax bass and drums and a couple years ago we did a record just for fun we we kind of would play a lot of sessions at, at my apartment in brooklyn and at a certain point we were like hey we should record some of this music we've been playing and sort of as a side project we didn't really plan on mm -hmm. doing too much with it you know like playing some gigs here and there but it wasn't we had other a lot of other projects going on but um through that first record it, there was a lot of people that really dug it and and um through the pandemic we sort of have decided we decided to do another record and we recorded it uh last year you know right after everybody got their nice vaccines and um and so that record's coming out now and and we have been fortunate to get get some really good touring coming up so we've got some stuff actually starting next week in in the midwest um you know we're touring through chicago and and wisconsin and uh i should look at the schedule because i don't know exactly where we're going but i know we're going to a lot of different places and <laughs> and then we uh have sort of a couple weeks off are you headed we to the west coast at all yeah then we're going to the west coast we're actually playing in la at sam first i don't know if you know that spot by the airport um and I oh, can't nice. remember the, when, it, when is that? I can't remember. That's I mean, like around. What, it's in June, when? early June. Um, June. Cool. But yeah, it's exciting to, you know, I haven't really done much touring so far since Mar March 2020. Um, you know, I've been going yeah. and doing some gigs here and there. Um, I was just in New York last week and played with Josh Groban, which was a very interesting experience for oh, me. Yeah. Nice. Uh, it was the, yeah, uh, part of this young arts program that I was a part of when I was uh, in high school, and they had their 40th year anniversary, and it was cool to do that. It was, it was, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun, and he's he's cool. And um, you know what, you know what blows me away about Josh Groban is that he's used Dave Desenzo to play drums for him for so long. Yeah, and it's like, like Dave, like it's funny, like you look at the stuff that he did with like Two Ton Shoe, and then. Josh Grove and they're I mean Dave DeCento is a fucking monster yeah you know and it's like I don't know it just feels like a very a very reserved gig uh yeah for him because I'm like this dude could like blow That's the true. doors off and of check out those Instagram videos you see, yeah he's all over but yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it's true yeah. and um but it was it was really fun I, I had a really good time you know um doing that and um, let's see. I have some other stuff coming up with George Garzon, great saxophone player. Uh, he's taught mm -hmm. at Ber Berkeley for many years and I grew up, he's another one of my favorites and we played together a little bit over the years and, and he's recently sort of called me to, to come in and play with his band, the fringe. So I'm excited about that. And, um, nice. 
starting to do some more international travel and going to Japan this summer uh, with the great pianist Julian Shore. And it's crazy. You know, I, uh, I go to Japan a lot and play. And the last time I was there was March 2020. Um, right at the beginning oh, of wow. all this, like I, I flew back to New York and it was like the next day, everything shut down. So it was kind of crazy how, you know, we were in China also and Thailand and Taiwan. And it was like the last couple of gigs got canceled and then we went home and that was the end. So it'll be really interesting to go back there now wow. you know, after, after two years. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I'm really looking forward to it. I always love playing out there. Uh, I love everything about Japan. I love the food. I love the people. And, and just it's going to be really great to go back there. And that's that's a tour within the country. Um, there's a great uh, um, promoter out there that brings people from from the state, well, all over the world and, and takes you to these probably like 10 or 11 concerts. And it's great. I'm really looking forward to mm -hmm. doing that. So things are starting to. That's uh, awesome. Things are starting. I, I don't say they're starting to feel like they used to because they don't because it's completely different. But but, mm -hmm. you know, it's just great to be out playing music again and 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 traveling. I mean, I, that's that's the other part of what we're talking about that I love. It's like we're talking about, like, approaching the music every day from a from a new perspective and and sort of centering yourself and, and all of that. And And for me, a big part of that is traveling, you know. Yeah, the lack of sleep and all that, but mm -hmm. just going around and seeing the world, looking out the window, and and just seeing just all these different places, it it really brings a lot to the experience. That's really important, and it's been yeah. really tough just not 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 doing that for two years, you know, because the last fifteen years of my life, that's that's all I was doing, you know, and so for that to completely stop mm -hmm. it was just like whoa, and it was great, it was really good. It was a good break for me and it was, I, I learned, discovered so much and experienced so much and had a chance to, to look back, you know, and, and, and sort of, sort of just mm -hmm. take everything in that's happened thus far. And it's like, well, that's, that's awesome. I've been so lucky to do all this stuff and, and so lucky to, to have it to start to yeah. come back and start to do more. I'm just, just super excited to be out doing that. So yeah, I, you know, I think that the, while the pandemic was was horrible for for numerous reasons, one of the silver linings that I keep thinking about is how I feel like everyone slowed down a bit, reevaluated their lives mm -hmm. to make sure, okay, am I doing the things that I want to be doing? Um, you know, had people, I think people spent got to spend more time with family, yes. uh, went, moved, you know, people moved to different places, changed jobs. Uh, I just think it helped to help people get a, get a, uh, a little bit of clarity on their lives because really there wasn't anything else to do for exactly. a while. You know, so I think there was some self, some, you know, just some self discovery there. And, yeah. and unfortunately, you know, it was, it was tragic the way that all of this happened. Right. But, uh, but I, but I think there is some silver lining there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Big time. Big time. That's my take anyway. So, well, man, I, I really appreciate you, uh, coming on and I appreciate, um, the gentleman who connected us. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate him sending the email and, uh, and hooking us up. Um, and, 
do me a favor let me know where so where's the best place for people to find out what's going on with you and and all that you on the gram or website yeah or? i would say gram right now the website is under construction but will be up uh in the next few months but yeah I'm pretty active on instagram and so that's usually where i promote everything and and uh perfect you can find me there cool man well colin thank you again i i thank appreciate you, it i'm glad to see that that uh you're doing well and you're you're getting to spend some time back in colorado and bouncing back and forth between there and new york so yeah good to hear well thanks for having me i've been a big fan of the podcast for a long time so so i appreciate it it's an honor to be here so thank you thank you it's an honor to have you i appreciate you take care enjoy the rest of your day man thank you you too There you have it, the one and only Colin Stranahan, and you can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 657. You know I ask this all the time, but if you haven't already, please do me a favor, leave a rating, leave a review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. It takes about a minute, and that just lets people know, hey, this is a good podcast, and you should be listening to it too. Share it up. Share it on social media and the gram and Twitter and all the interwebs and make sure you tag me in it so I can see it and comment and interact with you. Other than that, that's all I got. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer, Nick Ruffini. That's me. Edited by Justin Thomas, video editing by Tomas Shannon, and graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.